0: Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Lynn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome to day five of He Shoots He Draws Adobe Max Rewind Special. Um, Today I thought I'd finish it off with Adobe Royalty. Now this was quite a recent interview that we did but I just wanted to push it out again because Julianne Cost is one of those people that is held in such high regard by so many of my colleagues and so many people in the industry. She's been with Adobe for uh i will say a long time because i like to think she's a young lady but she's been with adobe for quite some time she is adobe through and through she's lightroom through and through she's an amazing photographer a great storyteller a great instructor and this was probably one of the longest interviews we tried to set up to get someone on but she was absolutely worth the wait so to share this one again with you please enjoy Julianne Cost from Adobe and thank you for listening this week and I hope you've enjoyed listening to some of our older guests. Um, if you check out the website you can find all the previous guests that we've had on. I'm going to share some more soon but um, thank you for listening, thank you for supporting the podcast and thank you for joining us this week and don't forget to register for Adobe Max. Julianne, take it away.
1: Hi, how are you today? Hello, I'm
0: very well, thank you. <laughs> thank, thank you, you for so joining much. us. Oh, thank no, you for having me. Oh, it's, it's been a pleasure. I know we've we've kind of bumped into each other at events and, and I've been trying to come on the podcast and I know your job takes you everywhere all the time. So I do appreciate you being on the podcast tonight. And Well,
1: I finally got my priorities straight and I'm here.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. <So> <laughs> <laughs> Putting the day job first. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Adobe must have quiet periods. But uh, today, today as we record... I th- is it today? Is today was Photoshop's thirtieth anniversary? Yesterday.
1: yesterday, yesterday was the thirtieth anniversary. Can you believe I it?
0: I know we were just ten when that came
2: out. <laughs> <would have
1: thought>? <laughs> <laughs> ten? I was only four. What are you talking about?
0: <laughs> so, uh, I mean, just quickly before we go into you, I mean, obviously that that was a big thing yesterday. So, from a from a corporate point of view, I mean, what kind of excitement has there been around that? Because Thirty years is pretty good time to be the best in the market of a, of a particular product.
1: I, I I think it's just amazing. I mean, I I can't believe how how many times Adobe has really reinvented themselves. And been able to go from from a postscript company, right, to yeah. to doing fonts, and then doing Illustrator, and then just getting this little Photoshop thing, so you could see graphics, and just expanding to PDF, and and all these other apps that we do today. It's it's quite phenomenal.
0: Yeah, and now it's a verb. It's uh, again yeah, you know, amazing. <laughs> it's just people just Photoshop stuff out. It's just become a, a thing now that everyone everyone assumes they can just do. But no, 30 years, I know, I remember when Adobe celebrated the 25 years, and then I know Illustrator just had the 30 years. So it's just incredible that, you know, that software's given us all a job, one way or another. Absolutely. Us, I cannot imagine.
1: Yeah, I can't imagine my life without it, right? I mean, it's been yeah. my whole career, and, and I've loved it. But, yeah. but it is amazing. I was at the right place at the right time.
0: Exactly. And we're going to come to that. So we're going to roll right back to the start we'll do it chronologically tonight because I don't want to miss anything and I would normally jump around and then I'll forget a really key question so let's go back to that time when you were four (laughs) (laughs) 34 years ago so who was who was Julianne cost before Adobe I mean as as a child going into your teenage years what what were your what was your school life like and what did you want to be at that point what did you think you'd want to be
1: well, you know, I thought I wanted to be a psychologist, actually, and um, that's actually what I went to school for. I went on to college to do that, but but uh, I was really active in sports, too, so I played soccer and I played volleyball, and and then I did a lot of, I'll just say arts and crafts because my mom's an artist, and okay. so she was always an art docent, and so she always had me involved in in doing things and making stuff, and, uh, and I absolutely love, so... My mom is this just incredible artist that does illustrations from scratch. So she uses Illustrator today, but before she was doing a lot of silk screening. And so if you think about this, yeah, you can see the influence on my life, right? Because most of my photographs are very graphical and that comes from my mom. And then also, I think probably the whole concept of thinking in layers comes very naturally for me because I always saw my mom put down one paint to yeah. make one shape, and then overlay that in the silkscreen with another color paint to make another interlocking shape. So I think that really helped as far as like my creative vision goes. And then she needed a dark room to expose the screens. So we had a dark room in the house, and then my dad picked up photography as an amateur photographer, and he was working in black and white. And so I had an opportunity to print my own work. And um, he gave me a camera early on. Of course, when you're a teenager. You know, we would go to all these national parks living in California. So we would go to Bodie, which is a ghost town. And of course, as a teenager, the only thing you want to do is take a photo that's not what your parents are doing, right? So if my dad's pointing his camera to the left, I'm going to point my camera to the right and try to find something different, which I think also really helped me later on because, yes, I like to go somewhere and find that, you know, big grab shot or epic scenic but I always turn around and look for other things, whether they're details or or whatever. I'm always just trying to challenge myself to find something that that maybe someone else didn't see, because that's kind of a treasure hunt for me.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that because I think as I've, when I think back to when I was a kid, and quite a few podcasts in, where podcasts where I've been interviewed, and I get asked about my influences, I can go back and think, yeah, I remember. You know, we all start with pencil and paper, and it was funny. I think it was a TED talk that somebody. Uh, or no maybe it was adobe max that chantelle martin said uh yeah it was it was her and she said like who here can draw and sort of half the people put their hands up and then she said who here used to draw as a kid exactly i remember that Mm -hmm. so you kind of have those influences around you and my mine was television and and i used to love man from uncle and star trek and the but i was i I was just like the colors and the, the branding and the logos and I still wish now they'd make a program that was like Star Wars or Star Trek where, you know, Darth Vader's off doing his stuff. But somewhere in an office, there's somebody whose job it is to brand the Rebellion or (laughs) (laughs) some team that's just Darth Vader walks in and (laughs) kills them because he didn't like the color scheme that he used. But but coming back to you. um, So you obviously grew up in California.
1: I did. Spent a lot of time outdoors. Uh, didn't, Didn't, wasn't really allowed to watch television much at all. So don't have a big influence on, um, with, with, with cinema or movies, but, but read all the time, constantly was reading. Yep. Went to the library every week. I remember that was a big thing. Could check out five books. And, um, and I absolutely loved that. And I still love it. I, it's, I think personally, it's where I get my inspiration. And one of the benefits for me from reading is that you have to think of, you have to visualize what they're saying. And where yes. they are and what they're doing and what they're wearing and where they're going and all those things. And I think sometimes when you consume content um, in in a visual form, that's already chosen for you. Yes. Right. So when you're reading it and you just see the words, you have to make all that up. So it's just one more way to kind of exercise your mind and and be creative because you are you're doing it without even thinking about it.
0: Yes, yeah, true. I haven't thought a it like like that with tv you're kind of forced well this person looks like that and they wear these clothes and these colors but yeah if you're reading you just have to use your imagination and what's and like think... as a kid when you're telling stories is you just make all that stuff up and i think it's a lost art definitely a lost art because with social media and all this stuff that's just thrown at us all the time is that's all we do now is we just consume what's made for us to see
1: Yep, I agree, and that's why it's really important for me to to remind myself: like, I want to create content. I don't want to be the consumer of content. I mean, obviously, everyone consumes content, but I would rather create it.
0: Yeah, Yeah. and that's just the world we live in. And for the millennials listening, a dark room is where we (laughs) (laughs) photographers used to go to make images, and a library is a big building full of books. Go and borrow. (laughs) Imagine like Kindle, but in a real place with real people. But yeah, I used to spend time in the library and I'm a huge... I'm a very tactile art, tactile person. In fact, tonight I just took my daughter into Tesco and we went straight to the stationery department. And I could have just bought packs and packs of pens that I don't need and pencils and sharpies and books. And and both my girls are really creative and we encourage them to make stuff. In fact, we just bought a shredder and the box that the shredder came in. My, daughter, my youngest daughter, who's 10, said, ''Can I have the box?'' I come home the next day she's from this single box she's turned it into a rocket ship and oh, the brown packing paper that was inside she made the flames coming out the back of the rocket she drew on it i gave her some stickers and a little buzz light year and she's just sat in it she's 10 years old sat in a box pretending she's in a spaceship and that's a lost art for kids it's just fantastic right it is just yeah. I,
1: I can't say and i can't stress how much my mom encourages i mean and you know it's a different society today but that my mom's words were always like go out and play like, you know, like get out, <laughs> get out, out of my play, out of the house and go play you know and you really had to entertain yourself and you know now everyone's going to know that I'm not really 34 because I've already mentioned a library but um, <laughs> but yeah that was another thing is just like ah oh, just go away just get outside and and i gosh i mean i'm very nostalgic for those days because how many times do we do that? I mean, we just immediately pick up our phone instead or pick up a device yeah. and it's, it's weird. It's like, you want to just say, well, I just, I'm just going to go outside. Why? You know, people are like, well, what, what, what are you going to do? I'm like, yeah. I'm just going to go outside. I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go look around.
0: Yeah. Kids are like, what have I done wrong? Like, yeah. No.
1: <laughs> Being banished to the outside.
0: Yeah, oh, but I've got this it. computer game that's really realistic and the sky and the trees look realistic. Yeah, but we've got, I had one when I was a kid it was called Playing Outdoors. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's so. the fun thing is you get to go out and play and absorb all this stuff that you you know has an influence on you. But what so your mum was a screen printer cuz mm-hmm. where so where I work we make plugins for Illustrator. So I have to learn how people design using it and one of the big things that's made a huge resurgence is silkscreen printing. So I was interested by that. What was your mum making? Was was it for fun? Was it just purely because she loved it or did she have a purpose? Uh, she actually Format. had a business. So um, okay.
1: besides raising you know, two kids, she also was, was printing mostly greeting cards. But she had, uh, you know, the, okay, this will really date me. But, you know, we had Chart Pack, which was, this, um, You would go to the store and you'd buy a piece of paper that had a bunch of letters on it. And you'd buy like Helvetica and you'd buy Helvetica 12 point. And then you'd have to rub off the letters to so make like any of the text. Yeah, let's just yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, she had a, a great business selling greeting cards, especially, you know, around the holidays. And she'd come up with just fabulous designs. But then she also did larger like posters and, and things that she wanted to do for herself.
0: That's really cool. I'm yeah. seriously impressed by that. Yeah, it was it was really fun watching her. Because <laughs> it is such a, you know, it is a lost art that everything has to be instant that I really love when I visit someone and they make things. Um, when I come to Photoshop World, there's, uh, in Orlando, there's a friend of mine who's got a printer called Mama Sauce. And they they come to Adobe Max as well. They okay. do some of the precons, And it's just a pure print shop and Nick, who owns it, just goes out and buys heidelbergs and this these just random print machines and like super old stuff and he he runs a business and he sells what you can make from those and he said the business is just booming because people just want to go back to that handmade authentic you know not every single one looks the same and i've got a bunch of prints that that people have made that are all screen printed um despite being in an industry where we work in digital I love the fact that this stuff is made from pre, like all my books. A lot of stuff I've got are, are all about pre-computer art. It also just than...
1: reminds me and and reinforces the fact for me personally that if I'm going to start designing something, I typically won't start on the computer because yeah. in the computer you can really get into you can you know you start focusing on exactly you know your kerning and your letting and all this stuff about a little type treatment. And then all of a sudden you realize like, wow, that's not even the right word, right? And so my mom would go through all these sketches and then it didn't take her very long to actually do what she needed to do, you know, to make all, you know, to cut all the masks and everything because she was, she had already decided on the the design. And for me, it's the same way. I can sketch things so much more quickly when I'm doing a composite than if I start in Photoshop and then I I just find that I, excuse me, waste too much time maybe cutting a path around something and then realizing that it's not even the right object.
0: Yeah, I'm the same. I have notebooks everywhere and pens and pencils. And, and I found it's easier to go and just sketch with a pencil. Even if it's a poster or a flyer for someone, I'll go pencil pencil and paper first. Yep. Because if you do jump on the computer, like we're saying about the TV and, and stuff we consume, you're very quickly led by something you've already seen so you know like i encourage people to look at templates and flyers to to find out how things look but very quickly you you can be making something based on not your imagination like you say it's like the tv and reading a book it's somebody says you use this typeface you use this and it's not your work anymore right right you're just it's it's still a it's a recipe but it's not got your personality whereas if like i know some of your art it's kind of a cross between photography and art which is really cool because it something you said in that was in your bio that it stop it makes you stop and look at it to understand what you're seeing yeah I really
1: like that in in artwork I I don't want to give everything you know well I have just to back up a little so I have two sort of areas of of work and I I just kind of separate them because I think it makes it easier for people to understand and one is the straight photography where I actually go out and find something and I and and even that is very different right because there's studio photography where people are making the light and and that's not normally what I'm doing with my straight photography I'm actually venturing out and then finding the light which I do think is different it's kind of like when you're a sculptor you can sculpt in two ways you can you know start with a marble block and chip stuff away or you can start with a blob of clay and build it into something. Build it right? out. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so there's many kinds of, stra- I'll call them the straighter photographers. And then there's the composite work that I do, which is much more with the, the layering. And, and most of those are actually based in dreams that I have. And like you, I have sketchbooks. And so I sketch down the dreams. And that kind of comes back to the psychology that I studied in school, right? <laughs> and um, just trying to figure out things about me and see relationship between events in my life and, and what I do. But those are the composite work that that I build up, and so that's very different from, for me from than going out and finding something, but actually coming up with the idea and creating it. And it's fine, getting back to the recipe analogy, that, that you know I take an ingredient from all these different recipes, and you know most of the time it's the ingredient that I like from each one, and so then I can craft my own work based on that. But of course, it's like everything is influenced by so many other people.
0: Yeah. And we have a i don't know if you have the saying there we have a thing called it's just you just say to someone suck it and see and it's just uh, <laughs> no, <don't> <laughs> uh and there's no no rude connotations there it's just it, it's something that i've it's a phrase I've always known is when someone says we'll just suck it and see and it's more of a'll well, try it yeah. You, know, you can't you're not going to break anything you're not going to do anything wrong experimentation is where a lot of cool stuff comes from you know it's like penicillin and all of those things they've all come from people trying things and you know taste that for me oops he's died less of that trouble this <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but and it's the same with art and it's the same with with any kind of like photography art graphic design is we all muck it up and but sometimes you get those serendipitous results where you're like, ah, okay. Yeah, and I imagine that's why
1: why people say, you know, you you come up with your first image. And this was something that I did for, you know, with Instagram because for like three years, I just uh, went out with my cell phone because I didn't have my big girl camera. A lot of times, you (laughs) know, if you're just going to work or something, you may not have it. And so I was taking three pictures. And like you were just saying, it's, you take that first image but you don't stop there. Like even if that's a great image, you still want to explore because, like you said, you you mm. don't you don't know what you're missing if you don't search a little further for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I that's I think one of the first times I sort of really got to know who you were, or or like be more noticed of because you have that thing where, um, like for all the evangelists at Adobe, you know who they are and you see what they do at an event but you don't actually know what their passion is or what they do. So I'm, the first thing I remember was seeing some of your, I guess it was your iPhone art, and it was plug sockets and salt and pepper pots and markings on the ground at airports. And that, that, that caught my attention because I hate studio photography. I, I really don't like anything that's like to the nth degree of be there, look at that, turn your head, get that light, pull it in. That to me is so... not real whereas I just love I'm out in the street and I'll just see um I don't know I I remember once there was a guy reading a newspaper at a train station at Reading train station and he was stood under the sign for the train station with a newspaper and you it's pronounced Reading, but it looks like reading and he was stood underneath and I sort of it just amused me because it was like it was a command that he had to be there and I love that photograph well, I because love the fact a... that
1: there's more to the photograph, right? You have to search for that little extra thing there, the little, you know, sometimes it's humorous, sometimes it's it's more sad, but but the fact that there's multiple layers in that image.
0: Yeah, and, and it could be color, it could be contrast, it could be two things that don't go together. There's one, uh, there was one I actually stole from a photographer. I had to go and take the picture myself because uh, it's a comedian called Dave Gorman and he i like his kind of photography where he does what you do is you go out and you just see something slightly off but you capture it and then you come home and then it becomes more than what maybe you saw at the time and he 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 just took a picture of two signs side by side but he had to stand back and get the angle and one was uh it's in sea yeah it's in seattle and there's a little row of shops and in england we have like tea and crumpets and it it's signs it as crumpet shop and behind it on the other side of the road is a strip club now in england the word crumpet is like a slang for uh, a <laughs> a fancy young lady of of that kind of thing so it just made me laugh that it was like crumpet and then this like strip bar and and he got it and it just made me laugh and I wanted to take that picture but while i was there I started finding all other stuff in Pike place market and colors and things. And I just took, I mean, when I show people the photographs, they're like, what'd you take that for? And I don't care. It amuses me. It, I know what it is. And I, and I then use some of those images in other things. And,
1: and I think that's really important. It's fun. I, I think it's really important that when someone, <clears throat> you know, if you have a personal project, if you have something that you're passionate about, if you have something that you want to go and photograph, it, you know, it's, it's, I'm not sure people are 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 as aware with with creative people you know like just one little scathing word or one little sigh or one little uh, suggestion that that maybe what they're doing isn't meaningful can really have a profound effect so I never I, I never want to disparage another person's personal projects in fact I want to encourage them because if that's what gives you joy and will get you out there and making pictures and and telling stories and being more expressive then you know i don't it it shouldn't first of all my opinion shouldn't matter and second if you want to go take pictures of clouds go take pictures of clouds i mean that's what i was doing and it led to a book and then that book ended up taking me like you know I, i got I got published and I had interviews and then that fast company article, right? So you never know what like just a personal project. If if I had told someone like, Oh, I want to take pictures of clouds, they might have just gone, Oh, well that's boring, and then shut the whole thing down.
0: Yeah. And you being expressive should be about pleasing you first. Yeah. Now that's we can't always do that, of course, if we have clients. No. Yeah. But if you find a thing that amuses you or is uh just something that catches your imagination especially with your job so we'll talk about the book then so you obviously travel in a lot so a lot of your time is spent in and around airports and in the air and so you end up with two books passenger seat and window seat yeah, everyone's going to think that I, I only I, take I, pictures when no, I'm sitting down <laughs> but but how you know all right but it was a project you you were kind of really stuck in the situation you were in and like you say you got your iPhone with you or or you, if you got your big girl camera with you but that was a project that at least made traveling interesting for you. And those pictures may never have seen the light of day, but as it happened, it became a, an interesting enough project that you got a book published. Yeah, I mean, and, I'll have to say, because I started it so long ago, right? It was um, it was back in... Well, the book came out in 2006, didn't it? The first one. So yeah. you've been building up to that. Exactly. It was all
1: shot on... Almost all of it was shot on film um, out of just commercial airlines. Because, yeah. because I'm afraid to fly. I don't know if you know that, but yeah, I I, I do not. um, I think it's a control thing based on my psychology. I've kind of (laughs) analyzed it. It's definitely control or lack thereof. And, um, and so I was finding myself, you know, doing all this traveling and and being afraid to fly. And the one thing that putting the camera between you and the scene, you know, all of a sudden I'm just like, I'm observing, you know, 30,000 feet below me. I'm not participating in it as much. And plus it's just, I mean it's so lovely. Think about, you know, 100 years ago, how many people ever had the opportunity to look out of the window of an airplane at 30,000 feet and look at what the world. I mean, talk about an immediate different perspective that I had access to. And so for me it was fascinating and it did help with the the fear of flying. I'm still afraid to fly, but some things are just worth it, right? So if I ever have the opportunity like to fly with the doors off or in a helicopter, I will just I just jump at that because it is such a unique perspective.
0: I was gonna say didn't you pick the wrong job <laughs> but,
1: but, well, it's totally well, been worth it it's one of those things where you're like wow i have this amazing opportunity to go and meet all these people and talk about the software and see what they're doing and be inspired all the time and the only thing i have to do is just fly a lot of places so it was just like yeah. well just gonna have to yeah. put that fear behind you and, and do it you were
0: and, like in the job interview you know the world you know the word worldwide i mean what are we talking here (laughs) are we talking like world series where it's only in america
1: (laughs) no it's been absolutely fantastic i i wouldn't change wouldn't change a minute of it
0: so go so let's go go back a little bit then pre-adobe so you were doing this you were enjoying your photography where where did that transition take place where you were suddenly in this world of of adobe So I, early on, so I, I, you know, I went to
1: school for psychology and I graduated and then I found myself not really knowing what I was going to do because in psychology, just an undergrad, you can't go and be a therapist yet. And I had done a bunch of internships and I wasn't really sure that was the right direction for me. And so I decided to kind of pursue photography again. And so, you know, my parents, I'm like, I'm going to go to photo school because, you know, I'd have to go to grad school anyway. And my parents were like, yeah, no, And I totally like, in hindsight, I'm like, yeah, no kidding. I can't believe I even asked him that, you know, suggested doing that. But anyway, um, so I got a a job at at a medical imaging company um, working in their photo lab because they were doing ultrasound and taking still images off a beta cam and then putting them, believe it or not, in 91, putting them onto a computer and then taking the patient's name off and then taking the color cast away from the beta cam and outputting them back to film. So that's where I got my experience. And I went back to night school to get a degree in photography. And there happened to be a job opening at Adobe and they're in this area and I applied for it in technical support. And that's where I started. Yeah, I got my foot in the door in tech support.
0: Cool. So what, how long were you in, how long were you there for that in technical kind of support, it was way.
1: only like – it was 92, and it was for about a year and a half. And then Adobe – I don't know if you remember, but we bought Aldis and yes. tech support. Page maker. yep, page Yep, PageMaker. Yeah. And uh, the the technical support went up to Seattle. And so I, I did not move, and I got a job in the user education department was what it was called. We worked on, you know, the manuals, the user guides, a classroom in a book early on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I did that, and then um, that evolved into – speaking uh publicly and that turned into the evangelism job.
0: Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Just... So cuz everyone you, you just see people and you think oh there they just became an evangelist. Like obviously everyone more pe- a lot of people know Russell and his background. Right. right. cuz there's all those lovely old photographs of him looking super young <laughs> with a awesome. beard and the fledge. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> but the one of the things I wanted to ask you about was uh and it and it's i've had this with a lot of guests is where they start off doing something and don't really know where it's going to take them and then they get a break and it puts them in a situation where they're kind of elevated to what they do so you've gone from being nobody knows your name to now all of a sudden more people know your name and then and i had it and i didn't have it till i was 50 um public speaking and then you're suddenly it's julianne you're now going to go we now need you to go and stand in front of a room of 300 500 a thousand people at a conference obviously you're doing psychology probably helped but how did you feel that kind of first time you had to become that person and and suddenly you know i have to say it,
1: it was it's it's interesting um i was gonna touch on one other thing before yeah sure just just was that uh In tech support and stuff, you know, I got that job in tech support because I wanted to learn the program and I couldn't afford the software at the time and I didn't have the computer equipment. So it was just it was ideal. Right. And I started making composites and entering contests and doing all that stuff and going back to school. All of those things really had nothing to do with my job. I mean, a lot of people worked in tech support. Right. But I would have done those things anyway. And so yeah. if there's any advice when I talk to younger folks, if there's any advice I could give them is do it's, it's not this like just do what you want to do and the money. will follow. Cause that's, that's quite a risk. And I'm not that much of a risk taker, but I was doing what I wanted to do anyway. So I had a job, but yeah. I was still doing what I wanted to do. And if I had waited to try to apply for a job and I wasn't doing already what it is I love to do, I probably would have never gotten it right. Like, you, I think a lot of times people get hired because they're already doing what it is the hiring person wants. Yeah, they wants. don't yeah. get the
0: job and then learn to do it. Right. They're already doing it.
1: Right, they're already doing it. So I think that was a huge advantage. And then sorry, but I I was stuck on that. And then you ask me.
0: No, no, stay stay there, stay there, because that's interesting. I did. I'm glad you brought that out because obviously you now working at Adobe in its early days, and obviously you bought PageMaker and then Photoshop's in yeah. its infancy. So so what you're saying is when you got the job at Adobe is that when you first were able to use Photoshop because I joked to someone today and they said what versions of you know if Photoshop's 30 years old what versions do you remember and it was well there was pirate 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 <laughs> CS4 <laughs> because everyone everybody I knew everyone I speak to that I knew that it's so rare that somebody was oh yeah I remember purchasing Photoshop 4 everyone I know was they all had a student version or they all had a version from somebody. And I remember going to an Adobe Live conference in London once and the guy from Adobe got up and said, right, hands up, who's on this version? Who's on this version? And he said, hands up, who's got a pirate version? And a few people put their hands up and he kind of went, security? He said, no. He said, look, we accept that it happens. Obviously, we don't like it. But the only, the only plus side is if you're using it, you're learning it and hopefully you'll get a job and then it will have to be purchased. So it's kind of, we've got to take the silver lining. So you being at Adobe, you've obviously got your hands on Photoshop. Was that kind of a a game changer for you because you could now sort of take what you've been learning from your mum manually and be able to do it on a computer?
1: Absolutely, but I was actually already using it at that medical imaging company. So we oh, were, okay. yeah, so we were using Photoshop and then I got to do stuff in my own time, which was fantastic, right? Like I could stay after work and then I could use the, we had a, what was it, like a Quadra 600, six, right. that, yeah, <laughs> I don't remember the name of it now, but um, it was much better than my SE30 at home in black and white. So, you know, I had the, I had a color monitor and I could make these composites and then, and that was version 2.5. So um, wow. that was, yeah, so we're not talking layers right no No. it was it was a commitment back then yeah (laughs) you committed to once you laid down that selection you were done um yeah but it was just so it was so fantastic and it was okay because i like i mentioned you know i was thinking in layers like my mom so i was committed i I was okay with committing it Now, trust me i would never want to go back to that time (laughs) i I love working in layers (laughs) and the flexibility but at the same time it did seem um it seemed very intuitive to me to be able to okay well i'm taking this chunk of information and i'm putting it over here and it's it's kind of like silkscreen i'm going to lay down this paint on top and it's going to kind of smush with the whatever's below it so
0: yeah how did your mom feel about that did you show her photoshop was she oh yeah she loved of, it oh, oh yeah oh
1: yeah yeah and she when you know once once she saw illustrator and uh, the adobe type library she was like oh my goodness but you know she didn't she didn't necessarily want to move to the to the computer. She she loved doing it like you were talking earlier. She just loved the manual aspect of creating things with her hands.
0: Yeah, I'm I remember as a kid making stuff and cutting my mum's catalogues up and uh cutting letters out. And in my Photoshop World presentation I joke about one of my slides was when I when I was growing up, what did I want to be? And then I asked people in the audience and they all guess, like, you know, own a design agency. And then the next slide says I wanted to be a kidnapper, and like everyone laughs and then looks at me. And I said, "No, think about this, right? Back in the day, and they still do it now, but back in the day, when I used to watch all these cop shows, every time somebody was kidnapped, someone had to make the ransom note, <laughs> oh, and, <gosh. laughs> and so, I thought what the, <laughs> the best job in the kidnapper gang was the guy that made the ransom note because it was you had to be artistic, and and I imagine the, that guy was really horrible to work with
1: maybe you should just rephrase that too i want to be the ransom note maker guy yeah yeah narrow <laughs> it down a bit there
0: yeah because yeah, it kind of people were taking photographs of it and <laughs> and then started sharing it but that that was the thing that i loved about that tactile side but then when all of a sudden you know i'm scat- i'm cutting things out i'm running it through a photocopier i'm putting electra set on i'm using tipex biros running it back through the photocopier you know it just seems an absolute nightmare to think of it now so when i saw i could do stuff in quark express which was my first kind of hands on a computer a mac and Cork express and that was early 90s the first time i really got to see like photo manipulation of what i could do was in paint shop pro okay because someone had it at work on a computer so i went in and I used to stay for an hour every night and play on paint shop pro i knew of photoshop but it was kind of big boys that was big boys stuff but paint shop pro taught me some of the kind of basics oh, okay you can do that and you can clone and you can change colors and you can add type and then somebody at work did have photoshop on their machine so i could go in and then I, the first time i looked at it, it was like whoa I don't get all that I think it might have been version four was my first time but I quickly fell in love with it because it changed my creativity because I could didn't have to go and buy paper and glue and cut stuff out
1: yeah and it was it was so much more flexible right you know because then by then it did have layers and you could try anything I mean that's that's the beauty of the computer is that the paint is never dry
0: exactly you can go back to something
1: 10 years later and 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 change it i was gonna say make it better but that doesn't always happen either so i just modify, no, I
0: was it. Say, I you, modify it if i go back and look at anything i made 10 years ago i pick so much so many faults yeah. i don't know if you're how how perfect how much of a perfectionist you are but i'm sure if you if we go back and look at what we created in photoshop in the early days compared to what we can do now it's probably good for its time
1: yeah um, i'm pretty i'm sometimes i'm happy with the the like the thought and the idea and the concept and the composition, but but you do realize, wow, I, you know that that looks like a cutout. That uh, that yeah. did not have yeah. as much feathering. Right? That should have been done a little different. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that shadow does not match anything else in this image. Yeah,
1: but it's it's become so much. And that so person's much, floating. Yeah, it's become so much easier now to do all that. It's just it's magnificent. Yeah. yeah.
0: So now, uh, I mean, we'll we'll go through the public speaking bit because there is something else I wanted to ask you, but you've obviously you're experimenting you're becoming an artist adobe have kind of recognized that you've got this creativity and also you've got the knowledge so how did you find that transition into being a i I now talk about what i do as much as doing it yeah
1: so i if i had to just get up in front of a bunch of people and talk about something like on the fly i'm i'm that makes me super super nervous like this today but Talking about Photoshop is so much easier because one, you're behind a computer. They're not looking at you. As soon as you realize that the entire audience is looking at the screen and not at you, it's such a relief. And so I love that aspect of it. And once I got a handle on that, I was like, well, okay, I know this, right? Like I have the technical background. And that's one thing that 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 I also love to emphasize is just, you know, whether it's a camera or a paintbrush or your your whatever your tool set is, pen and ink, whatever, you've got to know those tools so well that they just become second nature. You've got to master them, right? So they don't get in the way of your creative process and that flow and they don't just jolt you out of it when all of a sudden you're trying to do something in Photoshop and you've got a mask and you're like, I don't know how the mask works. That'll just kill, it kills my creative process. So having that technical know-how is really fundamental in, in my mind if I'm going to have a smooth you know, transition through a, a creative process. Um, but because I have that technical background, you know, and I the, still, I get stumped. People stump me all the time. But the the training and tech support, the, the the problem solving and, okay, well, let's look. Do I have the right tool? Okay, I've got the right tool. You know, do I have the right options? Oh, I've got something set to multiply or, you know, and then am I on the right layer? And oh, I'm on the mask, not the layer. And you know you can undo everything so that makes it really easy but to me it's it's the to talk about something that's technical um is so much easier than talking about yourself
0: right like okay yeah it's yeah it's, yeah because
1: and i go through it i rehearse it and and everyone's like you're so good off the cuff and it's like no no i'm not like i've rehearsed that the morning of, the night before, or three times before that, I know how much time it's going to take me to get through this. Um, I'm trying to get as much information to people because people are always at various levels throughout the, the audience because, you know, you say, are you advanced? What does that even mean, right? Uh, you know, somebody could be using it for 10 years, but maybe they've never used a vector mask because it's never been in part of their workflow or they've yeah. never used type because they're a photographer. And, and so... I just try to get through as much as I can and just try to explain it in a way that they can take it and, and run with it and make something cool themselves. Because that's the whole goal. It's not it's not about me. It's about what I can give to them, like how I can try to explain something. I mean, there's a millions and millions of people out there that are more creative than me and make more interesting work than I do. But if there's any way that I can help them get through, because some people do struggle with the technical aspect, if I can help them see it in a different way or hear it in a different manner that they go oh I get it oh oh masking is just oh it's just white shows (laughs) and black hides like you know sometimes you go to a I've been to photography to speakers and you know you hear them say something and you're like yeah okay I get it but then one day you go back and it's they could say it the exact same way but you're like oh I now get it I'm now in the right mind frame I now understand what you're saying um yeah so so then if, if I can help someone just understand something and get through the technical, because the technical can be the, the really difficult
0: part. That could know. be the blockage, yeah. yeah. I think too many people stress over the technical and don't have fun. Yeah, they don't play with it, things- right? Like when I was learning yeah. in tech
1: support, I was sitting there and, you know, you're waiting for someone to reboot back then. You know, you'd be like, okay, launch the application. I'll be back <laughs> with you in a minute, you know, and um, <laughs> save that file. And you could you could play around. And it was, I always give myself assignments because you can't, can't mess up a self-assignment
0: no right no if it if it's your project you make the rules exactly And if
1: you define that's the key right you have to define what's successful like i'm doing this project right now and i've called it the expansion project this year that's what i'm doing and what i because you know for years you probably journal right do you journal
0: and Um. I used to more than I do now. Okay, well, now,
1: like I do take maybe screenshots on your phone, like everything you like, like, oh, I got to take a screenshot. So I have all these screenshots and I'm thinking, all right, something about each one of those images triggered something in me, whether it was an emotion or I like the colors or whatever it is. So I've picked uh, 52 of them and I'm going to build them this year. Now it's not gonna look exactly like I'm not trying to copy it. Like I know that's a popular assignment in school, like photo school is like, here's a photo, copy that. I'm not gonna do that. But what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna say, all right, why did I like this image? Is it the color palette? Okay, then I'm gonna take an image of mine and give it that color palette and see what happens. Or is it a visceral emotion that I see from that image? Okay, well, how would I create that using a different image? And I think for me it'll be a, a great way to learn and just keep expanding what I know and and even if i'm never going to do that kind of photo again i will have learned something and i'll take it into a different different image or different art form or different something at some point in my life
0: yeah and it keeps it, it keeps the creativity active cuz so i was going to say what the 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 things i've seen of yours like someone might look at it and go i don't get it but because <laughs> I because my mind is more creative. I'm like, oh man, I totally see what she got there, and I love that. Yeah, and it might just be a color. It might just be I have to look at it twice and work out what it is, or oh, I I could. I know what I would have done after that. Yeah, that's a great thing, right? Like if you could be
1: a stepping stone or a launching pad for someone else. Like how like that's super flattering to me.
0: Yeah, I can't fly now. I have to have a window seat whenever I fly I hate if I can't I love flying um even though when I was a kid I lived in the flight path of Heathrow my big brother used to go Is another one coming it's coming to get you it's going to get you no. and I was terrified yeah up to about the age of 10 I was terrified of airplanes oh, and that's now mean. I can't I can't fly <laughs> I can't fly enough and I always rid my brother about it but yeah I, I love going to airports I have to have the window seat I now cannot look at the floor the runway without thinking of you because I see <laughs> I see lines crossing I see numbers together that may be oh cool that's that's a year that I was born or that's the, the house number I used to live at I want to get a quick shot of that because to anyone else it'll be oh, it's a number it's a number painted on the floor but I'm like yeah but I remember that picture Julianne took of where the lines kind of went like that or it was two colours crossed each other and it made me think of a pattern, and and oh, I can get capture and I can point capture out the window and get a pattern, or I can get the color from it. So the stuff that you've seen, I'm not just saying it because you're on. Is that I cannot fly without thinking about you (laughs) because I guess
1: that's a good thing. (laughs) Um, I'm glad that you're afraid of it, Um, but it's it's great. I mean, that's so great to hear because think about it. You're looking. That's the whole key. That's what I want people to do is just look around them and be aware of their surroundings and and not just, don't just look at your phone. I mean, use your phone as a tool to take a photograph or to, like you're saying, use the capture app or whatever it is you're doing on your phone. But just like, instead of just watching a movie, I don't know, I just, I'd rather make something and life is too short to. to...
0: I like reverse because I did engineering with my dad. I left school. I wanted to be a designer. I wanted to, you know, be totally creative and I ended up being an engineer but I learned so much from engineering that it was just something I didn't think I'd do, but I took it into my everyday life and and as a designer, one of the things I say to people when like especially photographers, because it's they do get hung up on, yeah, but oh, great, great image, but what was the f stop and what shutter speed and what lens did you use? And it's like well it, that doesn't matter, it depends where I stood and what the light was. you know those don't get hung up on that, be creative. So when I talk about design and people go, what is graphic design? I said, well, just what I just said, looking at the floor at the airport. Those numbers and those lines are important. Someone had to design that. That that is a design in itself. If you went up 30,000 feet, look down on it, that whole thing is an amazing piece of art. It is, isn't it? I love underground maps. I love wiring diagrams. Just anything because it's just such a, creative thing that people don't realize how much of how much of everyday life is so creative and they don't understand it whereas they go i need to be told what to do i need to be told what picture to take i need to be told what font to use well and you I know what? And maybe it's not
1: maybe it's maybe if we look at it like you know that whole creativity as you grow older and people say no and they don't put the value on it, and so it it makes people afraid. It's like it's it, maybe they don't feel like they have permission. Maybe because I think a lot of people they if you if if I knew where my like I don't know where my stuff's going. Like a lot of times I'm working along. Yeah, I start with an idea, but I don't I don't know exactly where it's going, and I'd like to have a map. I like to think I know where I'm going, but a lot of times a map will just allow you to take a, a conscious detour, and you can you can pick the detour that you're taking. And so if we just give people more permission to to look at things and to look like your engineering background right there is telling you, like how many other people they they just don't I, I don't think about the, the systems that happen under the ground, right? But it's it's fascinating once you start once your eyes are open to that. So maybe it's just yeah. you know, looking at things a little harder or, you know, trying something new every year where it's a different field where it's not your career, it's not your job, it's nothing that you can fail and just experimenting and playing around.
0: Yeah, just stop and look. I mm-hmm. think a lot of people, like you say, because their heads are down their phones, they they walk past... Um, oh, there's like been some pictures on Facebook and that where there's been kids in like next to the Coliseum and they're looking at Instagram of a picture of the Coliseum and it's right behind them. <laughs> well, maybe they're but reading about the it. Maybe they're getting a, they a history could lesson. They could be but it's just like lift your head up make make the phone the tool to cap the the bit between this and that ahead of you and use that to capture it and then and then be creative with it because if you're just consuming and you're not absorbing the world around you you miss all that cool stuff those signs that kind of get your sense of humor going and i think you're like me in a sense of humor that there are things we probably find funnier that others don't um <laughs> <Perhaps>. <laughs> because i've watched you present i'd I love your sense of humor and that's why i love when we catch up at events i love chatting to you as, as much as other people because i know you've got that sense of humor but we i think having that sense of humor you that helps you see more things because you it's like fancy word, juxtaposition. Sometimes when you just see two things together or something happen, you there's just something in your brain that goes, ah.
1: Oh, it draws like that. a relationship between them, right? Yeah, it'll draw it, a relationship exactly. because you're playing, because you're more playful. And I, I really try not to, you know, I'm, I'm quite a serious person, but I, I try not to take my tel- myself as seriously these days um, and, and just insert a little bit of play in everything, you know, especially yeah. when I'm not you, at we, work.
0: Yeah. When you're presenting, going back to when you're saying presenting, it's even though you rehearse and rehearse, all the times I've watched you, I mean, I've seen, I've seen you do presentations where something hasn't gone quite right, <laughs> I'm and sure you just you like, have. <laughs> and you've scooped yourself right out of it, and you've had the crowd in the palm of your hand. But, but also, what's nice is like when when I see you present I'm not I, I'm not a photographer so Lightroom has I have no interest in Lightroom other than I get to sit and look at your images <laughs> thank you so I get to see like your Iceland project or you always I love that you always include your images as part of the presentation so then I get to see and go oh look at the colour in that like yeah it might be an iceberg or it might be a mountain or it might be a waterfall but like, I then you see the little things like the colour or the detail the composition and so it's nice that when you do those things, I appreciate the fact that you're sharing some of the work you've done. Well, thank you. So it's like, well, yeah.
1: I always try to use my to my own cool images. Stuff. Yeah, and and I I really like. Well, I don't. I guess it makes sense because I like doing the composite work. I I like putting two images together. Like I love when I'm done, you know, and I get back and stuff, and I'll I'll pick my images and I'll actually send them out and get really inexpensive prints made and just put them all over the dining room table, and it helps me to to see the relationship between them and, and also see you know what did i take and and what did i miss and then how do i want to sequence them and how do they fit together in groups and everything and and a lot of times um when i'm doing that i just love to make diptychs because when you put two images together there's just this assumed relationship between them which there might yeah. not be right and and i certainly probably you know wasn't thinking of it you know, on day one when I took this picture and on day six when I took that picture. But to put them next to each other, like you were saying, they can, they, they trick your brain into thinking like, well, what, what is, there must be a relationship because otherwise, you know, the, the artist wouldn't have put the two pictures together. So what is it? And it, I love that challenge and to try to get the viewer more involved in the work by looking at, well, wh- why would they put these two together? And and um, that's that sense of play again and that sense of yeah. kind of wonder and questioning that, that I think is so important.
0: I was going to ask if you print your work off because that's a, a big thing at the moment that we're in discussion with. We're doing a, a live episode of the podcast at the photography show next month. And we're actually interviewing somebody about print, about the importance of, you know, now we're consuming. Like my phone has got, I think, something like 62,000 images <laughs> in my cloud because because I stop and take pictures of bricks and colors swatches and signs. Sure, like, sure. If you went through it, some of it would make no sense. But I need, I need to learn to print some of my stuff and experiment so that I can put it down and look at it. So is that a big thing for you? Do you print a lot of your work? I do. I think it's, so I think it's very you important. So can enjoy it more. Yeah,
1: it's very important. And it's not that I'm putting it. I, I don't even know that I have. I think I might have one print at home that's mine on the walls and every everyone else's other photographers. But I think it's so important. I do it as a yearly project. So I will print probably like 300 images and, and again, you know these are really inexpensive prints or you know if I have some paper maybe that I, that I want to use up or something I will do that or if I need to run some ink through a printer, I can do that as well. <laughs> but then I will sequence them because I make a book every year just of the photographs that I've taken over the last year so that I can again yeah. see that relationship and see like it was really helpful when I was doing the the three images a day project because then I always made diptychs. And then I would print out yeah. the book of, of of two images per page. But it, I mean that I learned so much about myself looking at when I photograph what I took photographs of. I mean I didn't realize that I was alone so much of my life because I was on the road constantly. Yeah. And so you know that that's fine for me. I'm an introvert actually, so it it, it I'm fine with just being in an airport and not talking to people and just you know doing some work, looking around, taking some photographs, and just re energizing. Um, but this book project every year really enables me to, to kind of reflect back on on what I've experienced, where I've been, and what it is that I enjoy capturing, what works, where things didn't work. And last year yeah. I did a project called The Color of Place. Well, Actually, it was the end of last year, beginning of this year. Because I just, color has always been a mystery for me. And people joke that my color palette is somewhere between doom and gloom. <laughs> and so, um, just I just don't use a lot of bright colors they make me anxious and nervous and 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 so I finally just kind of said all right so why why is that like why when I went to the U.S. Virgin Islands I, that was the most unsuccessful photo trip I have taken maybe ever and yet it's a gorgeous place with absolutely beautiful scenery but it's so colorful that I was so anxious the whole time and so I started doing this project, like, trying to determine, you know, if every location has a specific color palette. And uh, anyway. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, it's kind of weird on a podcast to talk about color that way, but. No, no, it's okay. fine. But it, um, I just took 25 images, or sorry, 50 images from 25 locations that I'd already shot, and then cut a strip from each one of the images, and then made
0: a panorama. Oh, I saw that. yeah yeah that i love that well, thanks
1: yeah that was a really that was, great no, exercise that was really
0: cool it was a good exercise that was one of those you know when an idea is good when you look at it and go damn her i wish i thought of that <laughs> because yeah i remember it you took a strip of everything and you put it together in one image it was like a colorful uh it's like a bar barcode yes yes, yes of, exactly or, ba- or ba- bam- bamboo yeah kind of mm-hmm. thing but it was genius and well, see when i saw that i was like i need that on my wall that that I find fascinating because that's I get what you've done there yeah it was a it was a good project
1: and I it definitely like that's the kind of thing where I'm thinking all right that is a personal project that is something that allowed me to play didn't even have to go out and take any pictures I already had them I just had to commit to the project and set a time frame for it so I'd actually get it done because that's I think the hardest part is that commitment and then getting it done and then going huh So that actually, what what can I learn from that? Besides like, oh, that photo works. I like that photo. I didn't like that photo. No. Why did you like all these photos and not those photos? What was the subject matter you were photographing? Where were you? What was the atmosphere? Was it it cloudy outside? Was it a rainy day? Where do you like? Because that, once you find out all those things about yourself, like I like flat light. Oh, okay. So foggy days don't intimidate me. Overcast days don't intimidate me. Where do you like to go? I like nature. I like close-ups. I like warm weather and cold weather. So all those things can really be informative. You know, if you're a portrait photographer, who do you like to to, to photograph? Um, what do you like them to do? Do you like close up, far away? All those things can help you so that you can set yourself up and say, well, this is what I enjoy doing. And that can predispose you to be more successful when you go out and photograph. So why shouldn't we? I think we should all do that.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: And also that, that thing you did was, I was just thinking is, like you say, you could go somewhere and take fifty, meh photos. But by doing what you did, you've got a really cool piece of art from fifty images you probably didn't care about. But because you took a piece of the image that meant something, you could actually create something really good you hadn't thought of from a bunch of absolutely what what could could have been throwaway images. That, that's
1: absolutely that's, true. I um, I agree. I was trying to pick the. the... Because I was trying to figure out objectively, you know, like, does this location have a specific color palette? Um, I tried to take images that best represented that location. But then as I moved down this path, I was thinking, well, wait a minute. (laughs) Does the place have the color palette? Because I was there in January and would June be very different? And I went out on these three days and I photographed this area of the city and I chose what I was going to photograph. So that narrows it down even more. It's becoming more and more and yeah. more subjective, right? And then, hmm, yes. And then I picked the 25 images. Hmm, and then I picked the strip out of each of the 25 <laughs> images. So maybe this is not objective whatsoever. But it was still a good exercise.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is Julianne's choice, Robin. <laughs> Pretty than, much, yeah. But that, yeah. that, but that is interesting. Because like when, you, when you said about going to a place, I immediately thought of Cuba because everyone who goes to Cuba has it's that same kind of yellow bright yellow bright blue bright green there's the cars then you've got the browns and the the bra- the shadows and the browns of the people and the you know it's always the old lady with the big cigar sat in the doorway in front of the in front of the car it's like you go to Cuba you can't really go wrong but if you're if you're not in the right mood or it doesn't appeal to you you can either go and find something because I love it if somebody went to Cuba and took 50 pictures, came back and showed me 50 great images and I couldn't tell you they'd been to Cuba. I think that's an art in itself. I do too. And rather than... Yeah.
1: That's why I do a lot of research before I go somewhere is because I want to see all of the I want to see photographs that other people have taken when they've been to those locations not so that I can go to those locations and take those photos I mean I I I do right like there's popular places in Iceland I went to those popular places I tried to take that same grab shot of you know in the in the atmospheric conditions that were there when I was there but I also like I'm like okay now I know I've got that photo I've got that same photo that everybody else has that can't be it That can't be all there is here. There's a million other things to take photographs here. So let's go a little deeper. Let's look a little harder. Let's see if there's not something that we can discover that we can share with other people. And they'd be like, well, what's that? you're like, oh, that is to the right of that waterfall. It was amazing, (laughs) you know? Um, You know, now I know people that go there are very limited in time and they don't have all, you know, all day to explore and everything. But I really try to, I would rather go to fewer places and it's just, if, if, if I leave a place and I haven't gotten a good photograph, I never think like, oh, well, that place wasn't very photogenic. I always think, ah, I, I failed. Like it was my failure. Yeah, like, yeah. I didn't, I didn't find it. It was like an Easter egg hunt and I did not find the egg.
0: So would you go back? If you have that feeling, that experience, do you, do you ever go back to places because you feel I'm not done with oh, this? Oh, absolutely. Are we have unfinished business. Yes.
1: Yeah, I feel that way. And, then, you know, it's funny because you feel that way about a location. I just returned to Death Valley earlier this year and or the end of last year, and it was like super frustrating because you also leave a location thinking there is something there and I didn't get it. And then you go back and it's completely different, right? So maybe when you went there before, there was dried, cracked earth, and you're like, I got to go back to that location because I didn't get that. I just didn't get it. And it was so good and it was there. And you go back and you're like, Wah, wah, wah. It's a lush meadow. <laughs> <Yeah>. with... <laughs> it's like, like people have walked over it or they've driven over it and you're like ah so that's even more frustrating but then you're like okay well now i'm here and now it's different so i have to get something here because there's always a photograph to get
0: yeah oh no listen i could talk to you forever and i realized we were we we're already oh oh so in. sorry and the, <laughs> yeah <laughs> and i i didn't want to co- i'd like i'd like to have you back on because i I would like to talk more about. Well, it. Well, that would I would Definitely. I would love that. That
1: would that would be lovely. It was just it was wonderful chatting with you today. Thank you so much.
0: it's, uh, it's, it's horrible when you have one of those interviews that you could make it a two-hour episode, but I don't want to I don't want to take all your time away from you. But so. I think
1: I, I well we will do it again how's
0: that we will we will i think it's a it's a good bunch of information there for our listeners i've thoroughly enjoyed it i've got all animated (laughs) so even though people can't see it but there's times we just get animated with the guest and and tonight i've been that definitely um quickly where can where do you want people to go and find out more about Oh, okay
1: so um probably the central hub is just um well for education, it's going to be blogs.adobe.com slash okay. jkost, J-K-O-S-T. Um, you can also just yep. Google my name, but that's my blog. And there's there are literally a few thousand posts about Lightroom and Photoshop and just how-to stuff. And then I've got a a website using Adobe Portfolio, which you get free with your Creative Cloud subscription. So I thought I'd yep. throw that in there. Um, and that's net. So that's where my work is. And then I'm on Instagram and Twitter and stuff. They can just...
0: Yeah, we'll put all the links oh, in, be the, in the show notes anyway. Okay. But yeah, I I think people need to see what you do because I think you, you are a great photographer. You're a great artist. Well, thank you. You just happen to have the job that you've got, which enables you to travel and enables you to get your hands on stuff that's quite cool. And yeah, you know each year because I'm in you know in the industry, I have a you know big interest in what's going on in the world of Adobe and software, but um the fact that you can kind of use that as to to keep enjoying what you do outside of your day job i think it's really cool yeah, i
1: and was just at the right place at the right time and man these engineers they just never fail to amaze me so maybe we can chat about I that know. next time just how how brilliant these guys are
0: it's i know that we get the same for ours although we always get why can't why can't the dobe put this in illustrator i said well it's it's kind of different it's two different worlds us we make we make one small thing for a big thing that's been going for 30 years and the guys that made the big thing that's going for 30 years have to keep that car running that's very true so yeah so uh but it is good being in the creative industry so no thank you for your time Julianne. I really appreciate it i know you you are a very busy person well no thank um, you very shame much we... i
1: appreciate it. i appreciate it
0: and we're definitely going to get you to the photography show next oh, year i'd
1: love it i would love to we,
0: we got Put it in your calendar, you're in. That's given. <laughs> okay. I'm in charge of that All stuff. Right, I hope
1: <laughs> to see you then.
0: So, yes, and uh, hopefully, I'll see you at Adobe Max. Okay, in that right. but no, thank you Thanks. very much.
2: We'll see Take you care. soon. He shoots, he draws, is sponsored by Westcott, a worldwide leader in lighting and light modifiers. Have you seen the new FJ400 strobe This 400 watt second strobe is an AC-DC strobe that has the fastest recycle time among any 400 watt second strobes at just .9 seconds at full power. With its fast recycle time, color consistency, and unique features, you can see why photographers are completely overhauling their lighting systems in favor of the FJ400. Pair this strobe with the first ever universal trigger for complete control using the same trigger across Canon, Sony, Nikon, Fuji, Panasonic, and Olympus camera systems. Yes, it really is a game changer. Come see the FJ400 at the Photography Show in Birmingham, March 14 through 17. For more information on the FJ400, visit fjwestcott.com FJ400.